it's Thursday the 5th of December. You join us in RCSLT's London office for a chat with Kamini Gadhawk, RCSLT CEO, and Dr Delamani, Chair of the Board. Can you tell me a bit about yourselves? What do you both do at RCSLT and how long have you been doing it? So at the RCSLT, as you said, Vicky, I'm the Chief Executive, so my role is to work with our trustees, committee members, the staff, uh, the speech language therapy profession mm -hmm. and service user organisations to help to develop our strategic aims and objectives but also more importantly to implement them. Um, I'm very involved um, at a national level uh, in attending meetings with government and ministers or officials as well as working with the staff on key projects so very much part mm -hmm. of everybody's team. Uh, we're all a, a very small staff group of about 50 staff and we have 17,500 members, so it's really important that we work as efficiently as we can to deliver the services, ultimately to improve outcomes for people with speech, language and communication needs. Okay, great, thanks. And Della? So I joined the Board of Trustees in 2014 uh, and then became Deputy Chair in 2016 and I've been Chair since 2018 and I'm, I'll be Chair now for the next 12 months. Um, the role of the Board of Trustees is to oversee the strategic direction of the RCSLT. So it's a, a huge responsibility, but it's also a great honour to be chairing it. Okay, thank you. Okay, I'm just really interested to know, how closely do you two work together? We work really closely together. We have a very collaborative approach, but we're also very representative and inclusive of all of our members, uh, of the board, of all the staff at RCSLT. We've got very clear roles as, as chair of uh, the board of trustees and as CEO, but we're able to offer each other um, a lot of support, but also challenge. Okay, thank you. And Kamini? As Stella said, I think it's, it's very much about how we work to, in a constructive way, to meet the needs of our service users and our members. So it's really helpful to know that Della is uh, at the end of the phone if anything mm -hmm. urgent comes up, because obviously we can't always predict what might happen. Mm -hmm. And um, on a daily basis, something new will pop up. I don't phone Della every day, though, I might say. Uh, but it's really good that she is aware of anything that might be significant. And we do have regular catch-ups on the phone on a weekly basis, which is really helpful helpful. Uh, we work together in planning um, the agendas for the Board of Trustees and thinking about anything that needs um, a significant decision that needs to go to the Board and how that might be managed. Uh, and obviously we work very closely, as Della said, with the staff mm -hmm. to, to make sure that any um, papers and presentations to the Board are done in good time and at the right quality. Okay, thank you. It's nearly the end of 2019 and the end of a decade. As you look back, what do you feel are the main achievements for the profession in the last 10 years? Oh, I do think it's been a difficult decade. Um, not been easy in terms of uh, being a practitioner out there with austerity. There have been lots of changes. Um, but with that, there have been ups and downs. So yes, we can't deny there have been um, cuts and that services have been affected. But... That's also led to people being uh, imaginative, thinking out of the box, and there have been growth areas. Uh, you know, mental health and youth justice sector, we're seeing speech and language therapy posts that uh, we wouldn't have dreamed ago, about a decade ago. 
From my personal perspective, looking back over the last uh, decade, I think one of the massive achievements has been around inclusive communication. You'll know that I'm very passionate about inclusive communication. So when we did the five good communication standards following Winterbourne View, um, I wouldn't have predicted the pickup then on inclusive communication. And we were, then wrote the uh, position paper for inclusive communication for the Royal College. We've now got uh, the Communication Access UK work that's being uh, piloted and the communication as a human right work that's been done with our colleagues from uh, in internationally as well as sort of the, the work that's been done around the Accessible Information Standard and all this Scottish Inclusive Nation work. It's, it's really, really exciting going forward. Yes, and I'd, I'd really agree with you, Della, both on the austerity point, and we saw certainly um, in terms of the past decade the impact of that with huge losses of uh, clinical leaders and managers and uh, challenges for the profession in terms of newly qualifieds getting jobs. However, what's been amazing is that the entrepreneurial spirit of the profession has kept us uh, above the waves and enabled us to ride those waves of change. And what we've now seen is significant growth in areas that we would never have thought of before. So I think you've mentioned, you know, some of the work that's happening for the, from the profession and how we've also supported uh, raising that to, the, to government and to, the, to increase that profile to enable even more growth. So there's an element of how do we uh, talk to politicians and ministers and officials about the fantastic work that our members do, working with our members to highlight the impact they have on um, service users to then ensure that when policies are thought about that those thoughts are taken into account. So um, talking to a member only today what's really interesting is she was saying that some of the work that uh, we've been doing for, for a few years lobbying for example on uh, children's services is 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 showing fruition at a local level there there's signs that people are pick, really picking up on it so and I think that's all we can hope for is how we work in partnership with the profession both to support some of the innovation that's happening we now have over 35 clinical areas and also raise that profile to make sure that we can continue to keep championing and supporting the work um, and talking about championing I think the other thing that I've found fascinating is seeing how positive using the Giving Voice campaign as a brand has, has had an impact in terms of the work that uh, has been done at a local level in terms of influencing but also students and really seeing how that's affecting their leadership skills or impacting in a positive way on the leadership development that they bring before they even qualify, which mm -hmm. is really great to see. Thank you, those are some really inspiring examples, thank you. How have things changed in the last 10 years for the profession? Well, I think if we look back, we wouldn't recognise where we are in terms of the digital technology, but we've still got a long way to go. I, I think the potential for um, digital technology in practice, you know, when we look at communication aid technology, for example, it, it's come on leaps and bounds in, in mm -hmm. 10 years. And uh, there's more to do, even things like video conferencing, um, how we can deliver our services using that sort of medium. And, and just the rollout of electronic records for patients and staff throughout our, our services, you know, 10 mm -hmm. years ago we were still doing uh, paper running records. That's interesting. And, and Camille? 
Well, I think we've talked about how things have changed at a clinical level in the expansion of areas within which our members worked. I think on the other side, we've also got changes that have happened at a system level in terms of employment patterns in particular. Um, certainly what we've seen because of government policy is a change in who employs speech-language therapists. So historically it was the NHS and now we have members who are working across a whole range of different sectors employed directly by the justice system, in um, schools, in social enterprises, working privately uh, and within the NHS. So it's And what's really interesting is that a lot of our members have what we call portfolio careers. So they're not just working only in one sector, they might be having a, a mix of employers and that's really interesting to see what the challenges are for them but also the opportunities that those uh, bring. Certainly what's very fascinating for us is to see that almost speech therapists are beginning to be everywhere you know and if we can keep expanding that that would be fantastic. We've talked about some of the other elements of change and technology is definitely one of them. I've been really excited to see the use of social media and how that's expanded. So I was talking to a newly qualified therapist a few weeks ago and he basically used it to see uh, which service he wanted to apply for in his first job, but he was also using it as a way of connecting with his peers and others to learn and use it as a CPD opportunity, which I found really interesting. So I think there is an opportunity to see how we can use that to to grow further as as a profession. So really exciting stuff. Definitely, yeah. I was really interested to know, what surprised you about the last 10 years? Well, Vicky and Kamini, if either of you had sat me down in 2010 and asked me what I'd be doing in 2020, I would neither have said that I would be current chair of the Royal College of Speech and Language Therapists or that I would be Associate Director for Allied Health Professions for my trust. So I think the surprise for me is that I'm doing both those things. Mm -hmm. They've taken big leaps of faith, but they've been brilliant leaps. Wow, thank you. And Kamini? So I think the surprise, as I said, is the ongoing innovation within the profession and the fact that often uh, members are at the leading edge of some of that change and that we can keep highlighting what they do. Um, and we've talked about some of the clinical areas that have expanded. I, I was certainly surprised by some things that I never thought speech language therapists would be doing, like awake craniotomy, mm-hmm. so that's very new. Um, and I think it's really interesting to see how members are using those opportunities to see how they can add value, which is great. So those are the key things, I think, and the leadership that our profession is showing, which is amazing. It really is, thank you. I think uh, members will be really interested to know what, what you've learned in, in those last 10 years. Uh, and I'll start with Kamini. Yes, well, um, I've actually been here for 19 years this month, which is quite a long time for somebody who came on a fixed-term contract for three years, but there you go. But what I've learned is you never stop learning. So certainly in the time I've been here, we've been very much in a transformational uh, journey uh, as an organisation. When I started, we were in a very difficult place because the HCPC was being set up and there was a huge challenge to the organisation. We worked very closely with the members and the board of trustees then to look at how do we transform to make sure that we're fit for purpose. And that journey never really stops being fit for purpose and making sure that we're looking at some of the external drivers that are affecting 
our members that affect services, that affect service users and might buffer the organisation. Most importantly, seeing how we can be really proactive to either counter some of the challenges that arise or be uh, supportive to the members in, in the face of things that we have no control over. So mm-hmm. things like austerity where, you know, that was a, a obviously not in our control, but what can we do in the context of those sorts of challenges? And I think the learning is that we, it's really important that we listen mm-hmm. and we take account of um, what people's needs are in, in the face of both challenge and opportunity, but also um, creating opportunities to um, grow is really, really important in creating positivity and constructively challenging. So certainly what I think we've learned as an organisation is, is the importance of having a constructive approach to everything we do and we have a very good reputation for that. And I think that's a really important uh, learning point for us as we keep going forward. Uh, it's music to my ears because uh, I think the learning that Karen has just talked about as, a, as an organisation for RCSLT moving forward uh, is exactly the same personal learning that I've had over the last decade, which is you've got to be open to opportunities. And uh, to be open to opportunities, you've got to be endlessly curious about what might be there, might, what might be the new opportunities. You've got to listen, listen, listen again. You've got to reflect, reflect reflect again and in the end you've just got to do the right thing well that's all music to my ears <laughs> thank you who or what has inspired you in the last 10 years and what impact has this had on your work well i'm going to go for somebody who's very well known in the profession and that's professor pam enderby pam's amazing she's been involved with the royal college for many many years she has an endless level of energy and enthusiasm she's very quick to pick up both on challenge and opportunity and she's very good at her um, support and leadership not only to us as an organization but to the profession and I think that um, you know what she brings and continues to bring I think we should all look to as as a really good example of a fantastic role model. Fabulous thank you. Adela? Well, of course, I can't possibly disagree with uh, anything Cameron has said about Pam. I think one of the big things that's inspired me over the last 10 years is the sort of drive and focus on culture and leadership. And some of the um, research and uh, work that's come out from Michael West and Brené, um, and the whole idea of who we are is how we lead. Thank you. 2020 is the dawn of a new decade. What do you think members can expect? I think times are changing and there's a lot of things we can be excited about going forward. So I think there are loads of opportunities for RCSLT. I I think the whole sort of belonging uh, and networking and connecting uh, opportunities are vast and we're in a great position now to capitalise on those initiatives. I think there's optimism for roles for AHPs in general. Um, but we're going into the general election, we've seen AHPs mentioned in manifestos for the first time ever. And AHPs are starting to be talked about as some of the solutions for NHS and local authorities. Um, I think there are potentials for extended roles. Uh, in clinical practice. I think there are lots more opportunities for us to get a more diverse representation 
through into the profession um, when we think about apprenticeship routes in the next decade should come online. But I also think there's far more opportunities for SLTs in terms of advanced clinical practice and consultant roles that we will start to see emerging in the next decade, as well as a much greater representation of AHPs at very senior leadership positions. So I'm optimistic. That's fantastic. Thank you. And Kennedy. Yes, and I think all the things that Della's talked about, of course, as a Royal College Web uh, and the staff here are very involved in. So we're, again, working with our members to influence all of these areas. And let's see what happens post-election. But uh, um, I think, as Della said, that those opportunities, I'm sure, will continue regardless of who comes in. I think what on, on other areas of work that I'd like to just draw colleagues' to, uh, attention to is that it's our 75th anniversary next year. So we really hope that members will get involved, not just in looking back, but also in looking forward. And we've talked about some of the opportunities that might be coming up to really shine in terms of the leadership that they can bring to some of those celebrations. Uh, I'm also aware that we have some opportunities to increase public awareness through other things that we're also very involved in. For example, through the launch of the communication access symbol, which Della mentioned earlier, which we're working on in partnership with uh, a range of other service user organisations and others within the system. And that's going to be really exciting because we've got so many um, early adopters now who are involved, not just uh, the usual suspects, but businesses who'd ever have thought. Uh, So that's fantastic. We're also very pleased that we're working with the BBC on their campaign called Tiny Happy People, and that will also be launching next year. So great, hopefully, great opportunity for increasing awareness generally. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and added to that, we're con- going to be continuing to work with our colleagues at an international level through the International Communication Project. We've uh, had one session this year at the UN. We're intending to have another one next year to really raise uh, the importance of communication as a basic human right. So I think um, let's look forward positively, as Della has said, to what might lie ahead. Amazing, thank you. What skills, knowledge and attitudes will members need in the coming years, do you think, Della? Well, I think it's got to be digital technology skills that are really important, whether that's um, equipment, technology, whether that's social media. And I'm speaking now as somebody who isn't digitally native, having uh, trained in the 80s. But I really have embraced it and found that social media is a fantastic way of connecting and networking and being agile. And those are absolutely key skills and attitudes that we need going forward. And a key way of learning new knowledge. I mean, who'd have thought Twitter could be such a great CPD tool? So alongside that, I think uh, we all need to build resilience. You know, I may be uh, excited about the future, but I'm not saying it'll be easy. So I think we need resilience. Um, And I've said it before, I'll say it again, we've got to be opportunistic. Fantastic. And I'm going to ask the same question to Kamini. I think they're all brilliant things that Della's highlighted. I think always important as part of being opportunistic is to think about solutions to any problems and come with your mindset in in that way is really really important um, because then there will always be a way forward if you can look for it very much um, aware that when we as we're going into next year and our study day is going to be focusing hopefully around um, 
co-production with service users and thinking about how we support the profession to really think about how they approach co-production because it's still I think very much a challenge in some mm. places and that might be because it's not the culture of the employer that you work for but also it might be that it's still a very new skill that you're trying to develop so I think for for us that's a, a very important area that we would hope that we can support um, speech language therapy uh, the speech language therapy profession with. The other area I think is going to continue to be important is around measuring outcomes and impact. This is something that we're very aware has huge benefit. So the services that are already measuring outcomes are showing the value that they bring and managing to continue to secure funding for the services they provide. So huge opportunities to learn from that, which is great. Flexibility is the other word I would use because uh, we have no idea what's going to happen. Uh, we're not in control of some of the external drivers that affect the services that we provide. So being flexible and that links to the resilience point, I think, that Della mentioned before. Wonderful. Some great reflections. Thank you. OK, my final question you'll be relieved to hear is what are your personal development goals for the coming years? And that could be for your home life or your work life. Well, Vicky, you asked me about five questions ago what had surprised me. And I said that uh, within the last decade, I'd never have thought that um, I would be chair or AHP associate director. So I find that really hard to say in the next decade what, what I might be up to or what my goals are. But the thing that always drives me is that I have always wanted to be the best I can be and do the best I can do for the communities that I live and work in. And so to that end, I've always been up to something. And that's my mantra really. I'm going to be up to something, not entirely sure what it might be, but it will be for the best possible for the communities that I live and work in. Wonderful, thank you. And Kamini? So, I was reflecting on the fact that I've always been a bit of a boat rocker, as I would call it, and Ruth Williams uh, uh, coins a phrase in a conference recently, and uh, I think in some of the literature that we've supported her to write up her own work, and I think that's a really good concept of being a bit of a boat rocker, so not, not as I said earlier, about being difficult, but constructively challenging, and, and I think, as I mentioned earlier, as an organisation, we... I know we need to continue to grow and change in light of new technology in particular and I think that's one of the areas that I personally want to get my head around more is how do we and how do I learn to use that as a way of connecting with others. There's a huge opportunity to use that very, more than I do now, I know that. I'm really keen to go out and meet members and to really listen and hear what's happening for them and to have an understanding of how we can um, support members in ways that maybe we're not being able to do at the moment. Um, I'm hoping that I continue to learn uh, and develop my leadership skills as a result of the experiences that I have, both good and bad, because we mm -hmm. learn from the things that can go wrong, as well as the things that go, go right. Um, and certainly, as an organisation, we have sometimes, just like the membership, and, and we are member-led, you know, we've often said, been quite ambitious and said, oh, let's have a go at doing something about whatever and um, one of the whatevers has been uh, the work we've been doing on the outcomes project and mm -hmm. the the fact that we were the first organization to try and develop an online tool so you know um, that was an ambitious project and on the whole things have gone really really well and it's been important to to accept though that things can go wrong the other area that we know that we're still fairly um, 
uh, ahead, not ahead, but doing things slightly differently, I think, from other organisations is on the digital transformation journey we're on. And we, we're very aware that things have gone wrong in some of that journey. But I think at a personal level, it, again, it's just thinking uh, it's really important to learn from both the things, as I said, that, that don't always go right, but not mm. to stop us from being ambitious, uh, either myself personally or the organisation. Wonderful, thank you. Okay, lots to reflect on there. Thank you. 